Hi everybody, my name is Penny and I want to welcome you to Molise. I moved to Molise, well I bought a house here in Molise four years ago and since coming here I've developed a passion to find out more about the region and to share it with you. I started to write a book about the area and I've almost finished it but I decided I should tell you in podcasts too and share with you as much as I can in words to describe the incredible uniqueness of this region. Down in the south, if you like, it's pretty much opposite Rome and it lays with one side of it on the Adriatic coast with a like a ribbon of sand, if you like, trickling down one side and then above it is the region of Abruzzo and then um, you have Puglia below it and you then you have Campania on the other side and a little tiny bit of Lazio. So it's an incredible region to, to visit. It is, as there is a bit of a joke about it here, it's saying Molise non esiste. Molise doesn't exist, but it does exist. And it's it should not be forgotten. It was until the 1960s and uh, other parts in its history, not Molise itself. It was a part of Abruzzo for one time. And of course, with the complicated history that made up Italy, um, it's been a part of the Austrian Empire, a part of Naples, a part of part of lots of bits of because incredible Italian's got an amazing history with relation to who it who who owned it, who it belonged to, what it was. Um, but that's another story. At the moment, we're just talking about Molise. Now, Molise, you can divide into really three regions, although specifically there are two main there are two main. Uh, provinces, if you like, of Molise. One is Isernia and the other is Campobasso. But it's really important to look at Termoli, if you like, as being another province, although it really does come under Campobasso. So Termoli, if we start down at Termoli, is the region along the, along the sea. And Termoli itself is, is, is a very attractive town with a castle that sits out on a promontory looking out to sea and that has quite an interesting past. One of the most amazing things to see in the year on the 15th of August, which is Ferragosta, is the firework festival there when they actually set off fireworks in the sea and also along the walls of the castle so it does make quite a dramatic scene. It's a very so it's a very pretty town, being a seaside town, and uh, there are a lot of things to see there. Not least the castle. If as you if you go to the um to the side of Termoli, either side of Termoli, you come to little little seaside towns which are just being built up for tourists really. But there are some very lovely beaches and some amazing bars to visit along the beach on both sides. Uh, it's another area that's pretty amazing for fish as well, obviously. There's still a lot of fishing done, although nothing to, to compared with what there was. But it's certainly a region, if you like, fresh fish. Coming in from Termoli, you come to a very flat area of Molise. And you've got the areas like um, Petichato, Montenero di Bishaka, Campo Marino, lots of places, some of us say which are, which as you come inland, are farming areas. And these are massive farming areas with growing tomatoes and, and other vegetables as well as as well as grapes to make a lot of wines. There's a lot of wine produced in this area. There are some very unique wines too, one of which is a red wine called Tintilla, which is uh, which grows in the slightly higher areas, but it's a very unique wine to the area. You've got towns like San Martino in Pencelis, and the thing to mention about these towns and villages too, something again, which although I'd lived in Italy before, I'd never come across an array of festivals like they have here. San Martino di Pencelis, they actually have or have had, although I think they did stop it um, because of the dangers of it, if you like, is when a, a, a group of oxen pull a cart and they literally race each other um to 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 uh to the end and uh with the winner taking all and that's quite dramatic to watch uh 
<laughs> and that's at San Martino in Penseles. There's also um, Gulionese, which is another interesting town. And many of these towns have castles, especially in the higher, the, the upper areas of, of Molise. Yururi is another interesting town. And then as you come up to, you come to Larino, which was a Roman town. Uh, and this is still quite, quite a town of quite some size. And it has even has the remains of a Roman amphitheatre there. Going down to the side of there, there as you come, if you come into Molise, obviously along the main road, which passes through the whole region, you'll go over a reservoir, which is called Guadalfiera. And that is quite a quite a large reservoir and it it's a beautiful bridge that crosses it which which allows you views on either side um up to the to above it and this runs to then you've got the Bifeno river which runs into the reservoir and then out to the other side and this is a Bifeno valley which stretches along the pritchin along the uh, the major part of the campo Bassa region of molise up to the side of that, just after Guadalfiera, is the village of Ciudad de Campomorano, which is a, a unique village of murals and a castle which is perched very precariously on the side of a mountain and actually in danger of falling off it. This is quite an a interest, very interesting village to see. And you, you have then Lucito, which is a village just outside um my home, if you like, I come under the, the little village of, of Lucita. Or like all the villages here, it's got an incredibly fascinating history, which I will go into on one particular podcast. My little house is called Albraccio del Tratura. So a hug on the Tratura, if you like, embrace the Tratura. And I'm perched up on the hillside, uh, about 800 metres, overlooking the Biferno Valley, just outside the village of Lucita and outside the village of Castelbottaccio too. I bought this house four years ago, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, and although it's a ramshackle shed, as my daughter describes it, on the on the side of the hill, it is home, and I'm able to create a lot of art and have grown to love it as I've grown to love the region. It sits on the Tratura, which are shepherd's paths. There's a whole the variety of them um, called the Traturi in plural, which are rather like the drover's routes, which stretch across the UK and I know in Australia and the States too. Although the purpose of them was for the Transumanza, which, which is obviously to bring cattle and sheep from areas of grazing depending on the time of year so from from high to low in the summer in sorry in the winter and from low to high in the summer and they stretch across from Celano which is in Abruzzo down to Puglia down to Foggia in Puglia the one that passes under my house is the one literally from Celano to Foggia and I have traced the route of that visiting every village along that along its route which is another book that I'm working on writing about is the story of the Transumanza and the Traturi, the Celano to Foggia Traturi, Tratura, which passes across the region. There's a lady called uh, Carmelina Colantono. She's been writing, she's not been writing, she's been ride, riding, I should say, horses and uh, with with her family and pulling and um to to drive cattle across parts of the Tratori now um for many years in to try to keep that tradition alive and they're trying to get uh, it recognized by UNESCO as a unique practice that needs needs not to be forgotten there are still parts of this route that you can walk um but in part two, it would be quite difficult, although it can be done. This is a, the said the Trattoro below my house. Enough about the Trattoro for now. As I said, I'll go back to that another time. As I said before, Molise is a region of castles. There are castles like Torello del Sagno, which are um, which was the home of um, a painter 
which we'll mention in another podcast. There are villages like Oratino, which has an incredible festival at Christmas, when just before Christmas, when they set fire to a burning column of straw in the town in the town square. There is Cernia, is the other region of Campobasso of, Campobasso, of Molise, and that has a rich history. And, and so much to see in the city itself, as well as so many other amazing things beyond the city. Um, villages and towns which are mostly hillside towns, because Cernia is um, called High Molise, if you like, Alta Molise. And there's some beautiful places to see, castles perked on the top of hillsides, castles with amazingly fascinating histories. And virtually, I would say virtually every town, every village in that area has a castle and an incredible, incredible old villages that which you can, you, you can look at and go down the little alleyways to find a little surprise around every corner. Coming back to Campobasso, Campobasso was called Maple Town in the, uh, in the Second World War. Uh, as the Canadians were there, so hence Maple Town. It's a city that's grown, um, and parts I have to say are not incredibly beautiful. But the old town is at the top of the old town. You've got again amazing view across the valley. I keep using the word amazing. I have to think of something else. You've got views across Molise from the top of the castle, Castle Monforte. And there's a church there too, which is adorned with the most most incredible paintings. Uh, art in, in Molise is extremely important. If you're religious or not, as the case may be, you still might enjoy the art in the in the churches. And I am totally in awe of the art in some of the churches. In particular, Boyano, which was only repainted relatively recently by Professor Rodolfo Papa, who's a an artist and uh, art historian and uh, professor in Rome, where he runs his own art school. And there is an... He's repainted the murals there, and they are absolutely beautiful. Other areas too, other churches, literally just surprise you with the, the quality, with the huge diversity in, in pictures that you can see. And I, I've taken some time to actually learn a little bit more about the church art because it is something which is particularly fascinating in this region and I'm sure other regions in Italy too. But again, because of the concentration of churches in Molise, it's quite, it's quite easy to look into and, and fascinating to see. I mentioned the festivals. The, there's another festival at Lorino where they take a series of carriages, if you like, pulled by oxen um, through the village for town. Um, each one of those is literally covered with flowers. And these are great paper flowers in every colour you can imagine and every type of flower you can possibly think of. And it takes the people of the village, the women of the village, uh, pretty much the whole year to make the flowers for the following year to in with which to decorate these carts and they are most most amazing to see and so pretty and again it's an amazingly colorful festival which which is worth seeing and I, I will do a podcast about that as well and there are some pictures um on my blogs as well about that where else should we mention? Pietro Bondante is a, is a little tiny chapel which is actually hidden in the rock and you can climb into the rock and sit there and it just feels like you're escaping the world. A beautiful little place in which to hide, if you like, but but quite most amazing feel about it. There's a little chapel just up the road from me. Uh, it's called Santa Giusta, which is just outside the village of Campoba, sorry, Castelbatacho, which is the other village which sits very close to me. And that's a little village, which little little chapel, which sits up on the hillside, which is really a retreat. And it, I have to tell you that the first time I saw that, which was now four years ago when I first came here, I actually cried. The 
I was in awe when I looked across the valley just below that chapel, um, seeing the hillside stretch stretch out beyond me, the valley below, um, just the space and the feeling of of beauty and tranquility that surrounded me. Uh, in fact, I can still feel tears tricking my eyes now as I remember that day. I think it was then that I really did feel that I did love Molise. And although Molise is not my home, and as a foreigner, it never will be, I do have a special place here in my heart for Molise now. And I do want to share it with you. I want to share with you all 136 of the towns and villages and all the other little hamlets which stretch in between those which are dotted about the place. Places like Capricotta. Now, can you believe a word like Capricotta? It actually means cooked goat. And this is a this is a town on the top of Molise which where you can actually ski in the winter. Is it as it has some ski fondo and some some small some a small area of lifts that you can ski on if there's enough snow? Incredibly beautiful place, and I went to an in, very interesting festival there a couple of years ago where they let balloons with lights in them free from the top of the castle. Although I know that's inquinamental or pollution, if you like, it was amazing to watch as the balloons floated out from the castle tops across the valley below and I have to admit that too was an amazing event there are so many things I want to share with you Molise in with Molise and I will be I will be doing a podcast every single week which will tell you more about the 136 towns and villages in the region of which there are just so much to share and as you can perhaps hear from my voice, I do get very emotional about the things I've seen and very excited about the things I want to share with you. The names, like I mentioned, like Capragotta, but Aqua Viva, living water, aqua meaning water and viva meaning living. How beautiful is that? Morone del Sagno, Bonefro, Santa Croce di Moliano, Coletoto, Capenone, Frosolone, Macchia Godena, Pastena, Cantalupo del Sagno, Guglionese, Campomarino, Guadalfiera, Ricchia, Gambatesa, Gelsi, Gildone, all these places are places in Molise which I'm going to share with you. So take this trip around Molise with me. Do join me every single week to discover a little bit more about Molise. And although in a podcast I can't show you in pictures what I'm talking about, I will tell you in words. I'll tell you about the colours of Molise, the colours in the summer, the colours in the winter and the colours in the autumn and the colours in the spring. I was astounded just this last few days to see the the verges and the woodland are carpeted in places with purple cyclamen, woodland cyclamen, tiny little purple flowers and also I saw some crocuses, and I, not crocuses, yes, yes, crocuses, yellow crocuses. Now, I thought crocuses were a spring flower, and I've seen purple crocuses popping up amongst the snow here in the winter. So there are flowers to see all year round, little purple heads of crocuses, like I said, popping through the snow. Now, as we're we're approaching autumn, the, the trees are changing. There are yellow leaves falling from the trees, yellow, golden, and every shade of brown and orange you can think of falling from the trees. And Because there's, there's a vast amount of, of woodland here in Malaysia to a vast amount of forest, oak trees um, in, in abundance, as well as as well as pine trees too and olive trees too of course this area as i didn't mention is famous for its oil and if you are as we're now on the subject of food if you're a foodie and you like your food i will also be mentioning at 
various times recipes and there will be another range of podcasts and indeed videos which will just go into the types of, of food from Alize. I'm hoping to get a collection of recipes from every one of the 136 villages and towns across the region so there'll be more Alize cooking too so share Molise cooking share Molise food share Molise, Molise wine share the colours the joys and try and, if you like, smell and taste and see Molise through my words. And I do hope I can share them with you. So thank you for joining me today in my very po- first podcast about Molise. And I hope t- that you'll join me again next week. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Molise on this damp, wet morning. Unfortunately, it's not the best of days. But anyway, I'm going to share a little bit of Molise with you. I'm sitting here in my little tiny living room with my wood-burning stove behind me. So it's very cosy. The kettle's humming away on the stove. And uh, But I'm looking out of my window. This is a window that looks out onto my balcony. Uh, and it has the vine growing across it, a vine that's all twisted around the railings of the balcony. And these this morning are dripping with rain because it is raining. It's very wet this morning. I had a little blue tit on here earlier on, which is quite unusual. Don't often see many birds here on the balcony, but it is a little blue tit, probably looking for something to eat. Or I'm rather loath to put anything up on here because I don't want to encourage rats. I hate the word. I hate rats. But my one thing I probably do hate. But anyway, they are. I live out in the country, so they're one of the things that you've got to accept to live along with, alongside with. As long as they stay outside, I don't mind. So here we are. I'm looking out of my ba- on my balcony and they say the vines entwined about it growing across the side. And looking out, I can see the road below my house and the, the ploughed field, which, which has been now ploughed and wheat put in there to grow for next year. And as I look out, I can see tractor down in the bottom that's been abandoned amongst some olive trees. A few olive trees, a few olive trees on my land as well. Checking out to the farmhouse I can see down below me. But looking beyond that, I should be able to see mountains. But this morning, there's none to be seen. They're all hidden, hidden in the mist that's that's coming up from the valley and down literally from the clouds that filling the sky because it's so wet, so wet today. I I did actually see that they've got the first first rain here first rain first snow here too that's in the village of Capricotta which is an amazing name isn't it actually means cooked goat and that's the place that's up on the hills up in the mountains really at the top side of Molise so if you imagine Molise is a rug sat out in front of you you've got the bar like if you're standing in the middle of the rug and you look um, to your right, that would be the, the coastal side of Melita, and that's a little tiny stretch of coastline, which is only 21 kilometres long, and that's that's a little bit that brushes the Adriatic coast. And then you've got a little bit of aerial on there, which gradually steeps up with the little, the little villages on the hillsides, little towns on the hillside, which is a lot of farming around there. Um, and then that, that comes up to the like the middle area of Malaysia, which I suppose where I live, which is where you've got the mountains, some mountains, hills anyway, but gradually gravitating into mountains. Fairly high, these. And I live on the top of one of these, which is called Lachita, which I mentioned before. Um, and then as you go across, then you travel up, up to the town of Campobasso, which is like the biggest town in this area. And then across there beyond, beyond Campobasso, uh, to the to the town of Isernia, which is the other large town in this area, and above Isernia and around Isernia are the most is the most mountainous part of this region because it, where it where it joins Abruzzo, but there um, you've got the, the town of Cap, the little town large village I suppose of Capricotta, which I said could go, and they've actually got some snow. Now, I was talking about weather, wasn't I? Here, I think one of the things that probably drew me to come back to living in Italy after after living here before um, was was to actually live in an area where you could pretty much figure out the weather, which is something you certainly can't do in the UK. I know my children used to complain when we went back to the UK that 
that you couldn't decide. You never knew what the weather was going to be. You had to look out the window pretty much to figure out what it was going to be, whether you need your raincoat on, your, your coat on, your scarf and your hat, or, or your T-shirt and shorts, and that can be any time of the year in the UK, really. And even then, it can even change in, in one day from from one sort of weather to another. Whereas here, although it has changed and it's not perhaps as predictable as it could have been or as it once was, it is it is more predictable. You can pretty much figure out the seasons. So we're now in the winter, we're in November, um, and it has got a lot wetter. It is getting colder gradually, and the temperatures are going to drop down to five or six here and that's quite common during the day um we can get it lower than that as well it has been as low as minus 15 here uh in the time i've been here and um, we've had a lot of ice and snow over a few winters um the, this last winter wasn't so bad and we actually had a late snow very small snow in march which was not which would be unusual as i say you can pretty much figure out season for season so we do get snow in winter we do get it does get very cold but then you've got the spring to look forward to and it pretty much goes like the old traditional seasons that you would draw if you ask children to draw the seasons of the year so you'd say november or december january february would be winter and and that's where we are now and then you have the spring now the spring is beautiful here although we do get a lot of rain but it is green and everything really does blossom into life every single bud seems to burst forth literally almost blink and you can see another bud opening and another little bit of green appearing more more trees more flowers coming into bud more plants everything growing around you the whole time which is something so beautiful about being immersed in the country and that's the spring which is very much march april and into may and then june july and august well then you have summer and summer here is hot and we're said so we're up fairly high um, above sea level but it still does get very hot at times there's a very small breeze not a huge breeze just a tiny little breeze almost the mistral that you get by the sea although not quite that i think it probably has a name i do have to find out what it is but um so but it still gets up to over 30 degrees sometimes but again because you're in the countryside it's not so dense it doesn't feel as hot as it does when you're stuck in the city and it's hot so that's our summer and then again everything um, we get it. There's a huge amount of crops, plenty of fruit and vegetables available in the summer. Massive tomatoes, and everybody everybody gathers in their tomatoes and madly starts making their 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 passata, their tomato puree um, from all the tomatoes that grow in this region. They do that. A lot of people still do that themselves. They have massive, great big pans which they stick on fires. Uh, or on a, like a large gas ring outside and these are huge saucers big enough for you to climb inside and they have one that sterilizes a big one of these boiling up to sterilize the bottles and then they boil up a mass of tomatoes in these as well to produce lots and lots and lots of tomato puree there'd be enough to feed the whole family i did join a neighbor neighbor in the farmhouse i can see down below me a couple of years ago to to see the process of making passata and uh, and it was quite it was fascinating there's certainly a lot of tomatoes um we've done that we have done that ourselves but not to the same degree that they've done theirs because we certainly haven't got that many tomatoes so that's the passata that's summertime plenty of festivals on uh, july the 15th being the really big one and a massive a massive colour in this period of the year, say June, July and August. A lot of people flock to the beach, to the little tiny bit of seaside here in Molise in the summer. Campo Morino and places like that are full of people. But you also get people out in the countryside here as well. Tourists, of, of course, which is one of the reasons why I'm doing these podcasts and writing my books is to encourage more people to come as tourists. But a lot of people that come from outside have moved away from Molise do come back in August, do come back in July and August to their own towns and villages and certainly do join in the festivals that are happening then so we've done the summer and then we come into autumn so we've got september october and november this the trees change slowly um into the golden like i said the golden the browns the oranges and then gradually start to fall not all the trees will lose their leaves here of course we have a lot of other trees as well there's a lot of pine trees um, and the olive trees as well don't leave, lose their leaves in quite the same way as the oaks and the beeches do. 
Um, the acorns falling in abundance from the trees as well. So there's plenty of stuff around for the animals to forage, which would be, of course, would be the, the boars, which have loved to forage around for the, for the, for the acorns and, and, the, and the roots of the trees. So we've done the spread of the year. So this is Molise and it's, it's weather. The weather, like I said, is not can be extreme. It does get very cold and we also do get a lot of rain. But we also get a lot of days of sunshine. And if anything, if one of the things that does draw me to Molise, although I'm not looking out and seeing it today, because it is a grey, misty day today, is the blue skies. And there are blue skies for a lot of days in the year. Do you know what? It's something I think I'll do next year. I'll start on January the 1st and I'll count the blue sky, the blue sky days throughout the year. And I know that will certainly make me smile. And I hope it will make you smile too when you find out just how many blue sky days there are here in Molise. Something which is to share because... Nothing brightens your, lifts your heart more than to open the window or look out of the door and see a blue sky. It's something that probably does lift our hearts. I don't know why it gives us more hope than seeing clouds or seeing a grey sky, which probably great actually drags us, drags us down in our mind, doesn't it, and body. It makes you more listless and miserable when the sky's grey. But anyway, blue sky days here in Molise. What else can I tell you about Molise? And tell you a little bit more about where I live, although I did mention it briefly before. I do live on a part of the Trattoro, and this is a little track that leads this. Um, these are these tracks which lead right the way across Molise, and were tracks which used to be part of the Transmanza, which was the large movement of of sheep and animals um, during two parts of the year for better grazing, really. But that whole desires another whole podcast, if not more, all on its own. So here, I can hear the kettles beginning to boil on the stove beside me, so perhaps you'd like to join me for a cup of tea or a cup of coffee if you prefer. Let's talk about coffee. That's something which is dear to the heart of anyone who loves Italy, certainly not only Molise. Of course, you've got the cappuccino, which which traditionally you'd still stand up and have at the bar. or sometimes you'll sit down and have it if you've got a lot more time. But a lot of the time, it's just going and standing at the bar and having one, having a quick, having a cappuccino and a chat with your friends and neighbours, or just even the woman, the people that own the bar, perhaps a brioche as well to, to join in with it. I often meet a friend of mine in the local town of Campobasso for a cappuccino and a chat. Uh, so you can figure out and talk about what's going on in the world. So this, I'm going to draw this podcast to an end now, and it's is a bit of a short one, but have things to get on with. So I'm just sharing the grey gray day of Molise with you today. I look forward to speaking to you again on another bright, sunny day. Thank you. Bye. Hi, everybody. I've been neglecting my podcast, so I am really sorry. But here I am today, greatly inspired in the village of Torello del Sanio, and I'm sitting in the castle here. Now, the castle here sits at the top of the town. You can see the towers from below. And I'm sitting here in the castle itself, and it's very quiet, as there's no one else here, just me. And I'm able to really soak in the atmosphere, and it's that I want to share with you. The people that lived here before, the people that still live here now, are the Chimara family. But most famous of all was Eleanor, who was a painter, an artist, and something of a quite a magnificent lady in her time because she painted in the early, late um, 19th century, early 20th century, um, and was certainly a woman to be reckoned with, I would have thought. Certainly, if one could meet her now, she certainly would be. And here, as I said, sitting in the castle, I'm sitting amongst her paintings and her books, next to a grand piano, which unfortunately I can't play. Well, I do rather wish I could, because I have I have been here and heard it play, and it is really a beautiful piano that makes that that literally fills the castle with music. There's a story too about there being the ghost of Eleanor here. And days when, summer days or winter days, when the castle's empty, there's, there's a story of the, the piano actually being played by Eleanor. 
when the streets are quiet, it's said that people can hear her music resonating through the castle. Sometimes you go in places that are cold, and it is physically cold, but this this little castle here is not... As I said, it is physically cold, but it's not... doesn't feel cold. It feels warm. It feels... It feels as if it's really living. It's living with the memories, if one can live with memories. Even sitting above my head here is something which fascinated me long since the first time I came here. And it's the most beautiful chandelier, which hangs from the, the ceiling in various twists of metal, but doesn't just finish in a myriad of coloured beads, of, of, of white beads or or clear beads, it actually comes down to the actual lights itself in brightly coloured beads. And then below that is the actual candelabra with one, two, three, four, five, six lights on it. And then below that hang a variety of other jewels too, which glitter and catch the light. Now as I sit here, as afternoon approaches... I'm sitting under this light, which casts just a very light glow over the paintings in the room. And there's paintings, paint, paintings by Eleanor and other, other artists too. There's a still life and some people, and she was particularly fond, fond of painting people. She painted some amazing portraits of people in the village and other places she lived. Here too... As I said, apart from the grand piano, which I can't play, are hundreds of books. Books on art, books on philosophy, books on poetry, books written by famous philosophers and politicians. There's Karl Marx and Proust and a whole host of other authors and writers and people of note. And it's, I don't know, sitting amongst them as I write too, you almost feel you can absorb their words. And if only I could pay homage to their words in mine, I'd be doing, I'd certainly be doing well. I've picked out some books and sat and looked at others, some back, dating back as far as the 1800s. And there are a lot of books here, many of which totally absorb me. I've just found one now, which is called Il Libro di Ore, and the Book of Gold, and it's a book of poetry. It says, I haven't read much of it yet. It's, it's a book of poetry that says, a, a, a book of the monastic life. And the words, even in Italian, and, and it would be translated into English, they're, they're just beautiful. They just seem to give warmth and feeling. If I look at this one now, I'm going to read you just a little bit from this first one, which is Non hai tua meraviglia quanto in furia. I don't have your, the, the, I don't know, the magic of life. These words are just so beautiful. There's another bit called, another book here called Il silenzio, the silence. And that's what I've got here. If I'm quiet now, which I will be shortly, you'll be able to hear the sound of a castle. My favourite little bit of the castle, when you come, you, come in, you come in through the front door into a big, almost a covered courtyard, if you want, which is like the ingresso, the entrance, and that too is lined with books. And I spent an hour in there earlier on looking through the books that are there. And there too are paintings... And there's a visitor's book with people's names written in and to have been to visit the castle. And then climbing up the steps, there's some storerooms, a cellar and some storerooms off to the right. And then climbing up the steps, you come up into the like a living area with a big fireplace and more books and more paintings. And then there's another room off to the right and the kitchen, complete with this old stove and rows of saucepans. Which I, which many have obviously cooked for people for many, many years, 
and still feels very much a part, a life of the castle. Then you walk through and there's the bedrooms. There's also the, there's the bedroom of, of Eleanor herself where she spent many years painting when she stayed in the village. And then to and then then you go up the stairs, and at the top of the stairs is the is the most beautiful place in the castle. And I'm going to sit up there now. We're going to walk up the stairs, and we're going to sit up there now, taking just really a few minutes up there to look out at the view over the castle. So here we go, walking up the steps to the tower at the top. I have a book of poetry with me. Here we go, walking through more paintings and just up to the very top of the tower, just for a few moments to enjoy the view. Up to the top of the castle to the tower. Here we go, up to the top, round the corner, round a little bend in the wall, and up again, up to the top of the castle to the tower. The Blue Tower, which for me is the most beautiful place in this castle. One could look out from the windows over the mountains, another tower beyond me, and little houses, little dotted about, and down over the village, the village of Torella, which is obviously has changed, but I wonder how much in the past few hundred years. There's certainly plenty of cars here now, which there wouldn't have been. But it's quiet. And if I'm just quiet for a minute, you can hear the silence. That's the silence of Torella, Torella del Sanio, the castle. I said, here I am in the tower at the top. There's the most magnificent light here, the globe hanging, be hanging below a dragon, which is absolutely astoundingly beautiful. And I'll post some pictures of this on my Molise page. Here too, which always fascinates me, is a massive, massive big bunch of keys. Keys to so many things in the castle. Keys to open doors, perhaps keys to the heart as well. As I turn around now, as I said, this beautiful blue tower, which is complete with some day beds, some seats to sit on, and an ancient baby's um, rocking cot or crib too. Two of those, in fact, and a fireplace with some ancient hanging chains in it which pots would have once hung from. But it's just how this tower feels. Looking out from the window here, as I said once again, looking out over the distance, over the views, to the mountains, to the hills, beyond a little bit of snow, tiny bit of snow on the tops of the mountains, although not much yet. More to come, I'm sure. And as they always say, and I'm sure I've used this quote before, if a picture could paint a thousand words, I want to paint for you in words just how beautiful this little bit of Molise is, this little tower, this little hidden tower, which is immersed in the meandering, undulating hills of Molise. Someone once told me that Molise reminded them of, of Tolkien's Hobbits, Tolkien's book of, of Middle Earth, and perhaps it does, because there's a gentleness about this part of Molise, the mountains are off in the distance, and if you climb up to Capricotta, which is the highest point of Molise, you are immersed in mountains, but here's, here's still, you're kind of nestled in amidst them all. So I'm here today, literally in the top of Torella, immersed amidst mountains. There's mountains on three sides. As I look out 
the lower castle window of the village and then this other window from the tower over, over the rooftops of the old village, over to towns beyond. There's Molise beyond and the mountains are covered with clouds on the very tops of them, drifting about white fluffy clouds and tiny glimpses of that beautiful Molise blue that I'm so fond of. I'm going to go downstairs now from the from the tower. I'm going to come up here another day. So back down the stairs again from the castle where I, where I came from before. Back down the stairs into the main part of the castle. Twisting, turning stairs. And hear the clatter of my feet on the stone steps as I come down. How magical is that? Back into the room here. And the models, the art- artist models that um, Eleanor used to paint. There's one of a horse here. And there's a figure of a man. With anatomical models, because she was very fond of getting the anatomy of her people right. And it's a funny, there are some more stories about that. Artists, easel there and paintbrushes, and another artist model here, and then back to, back to the main part of the library, the sala of music, music where there's, they say the grand piano. And just sit down here. I found a book here, that's called, Molise, 1860, a day of unity. So I'm going to have a look at that because that was very interesting. Tell me a little bit more about Molise, which is my aim here, to learn so much more about Molise, to share what really what Molise has to offer. And I can do that when I come to places like this, places that where you're really immersed in the history of, of this wonderful region of Italy that lies so unforgotten. And here's a pure, precious example of that, of how here this was a castle, that's got a very very rich history, uh, which we'll go into on another day and certainly requires more in writing than I want to go in today because here I'm just here today to give you a feeling of the place. Lots of books here about Molise. And I'm really walking around now just looking at them. Most, just so many, so many to share, so many to see. There's a, uh, encyclopedias here from 1938, <laughs> 1938 to 1948, 1949 to 1960. 1949 to 1960. Encyclopedias about another life. So long gone now. So share this. Share Castello. Torreldas Castello with me. Share this little bit of Molise. As it's just a part, it's just a part of life here in, in in Molise, there's so many castles here. It's almost the the uh, should be the region of castles, really, because there are so many magical castles here. It was the hilltops, which were obviously all had to be had to be protected. Had to be had um, when people moved up from the castles, moved up from the valleys into the castles. And so there's what they call house museums, and this is one of the house museums. This a house here, the one here that I'm staying in. And I'm not staying in here, I'm not staying, but I'm just visiting today. It still belongs to the Kiamara family. And, um, uh, sure exactly when it was built, but anyway, Say Eleanor, who lived here, was was born in Naples, and she was the she was the artist, and it say it became her studio more than anything. There's dozens of pictures of the people in the village that she painted. I've I've written a story to a poem, a 
ghost story about her being her, her, her being in the village with and following a little girl around the village and the story of that because it so fascinates me. There's so much magic of that here. So, Eleni Kiyamada was one of the few women who who went to the conservatory of conservatoire, the conservatory of Naples to study art. It was in 1916, and she she got a not sorry, she didn't study art. She studied the piano. She got a diploma and painting too. She gave her heart and her mind to her paint, and she lived in in other parts of Europe. She lived in France, um, and obviously got to know many many. Um, international artists at the time when she was living there was very much the, the time when really ta- French art came alive and made such a difference to our the the art we know today. And she, as I said before, she liked to paint the people of the village around her. Um, and there's many many pictures of her, of those people, which were part of her life too. I rambled on enough too about the castle. I'm getting, trying to get to some kind of feeling. But so for the last minute of this video, not video, it's not a video, it's a podcast. I'll be quiet and let you just listen and get the feeling again of this castle, this castle that sits at the top of the town. It's towers dominating the village and it can be seen for miles, as can all of the castles which, which sit atop many of the Molise villages all of which I'm writing about and will visit in turn. So you can really get a picture of the Molise, which I'm I'm growing to know and growing to love, and I can share it with you. So goodbye from Torella del Sanio this afternoon, and here's just the last few seconds of silence. you have that much silence in your life? Is there enough silence in the world today? Something to contemplate on when we're living such a noisy world. How one can find joy in silence. Joy at being together with friends and family, but joy also sometimes at being alone in the silence. I thank you everybody. It's so lovely to have a chat with you today. I'll speak to you all again soon.